once you become fearless, life becomes limitless. Say that one more time. Woo! Once you become fearless, life becomes limitless. And I remember telling my father, Daddy, I want to be like Dina. Dina making money. She driving the Benz. She got this. She got that. She got all the clients. She's doing this. And I mean, I mean, she was like my ultimate role model. And this was the first time you had ever seen a hairstylist make that never, kind of money? Never seen anybody make the money that she was making. And we're talking about it had to be 1993. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Progress on Purpose podcast, where we believe in intentional purposeful living. Progress on Purpose podcast is for a community of people who seek to be intentional about how we think and behave towards an intended goal. We believe that what we say, think, and do governs our ability to progress towards our goal and ultimately lead to success. Thank you so much for joining into episode nine of the show in its first season entitled The Winning Season. In this season, we will be discussing what it takes to prepare for and walk in your winning season or what is known to be the greatest season of your life. We all have a journey and when we live intentionally and make purposeful decisions and strategic moves, we can set ourselves on a path to live our best life, one that is fulfilling, enjoyable, and full of blessings. In today's show, I have invited Kendra Wrighthorn, creator and founder of Atlanta's first short hair salon, The Short Hair Express. Her passion, hard work, commitment, and dedication to providing quality express service to the ever-growing short hair community is evident by what she has been able to accomplish since the salon opened earlier this year. This episode is a two-part episode that shares how Kendra developed her work ethic, ideas, and the structure of her business to create and grow into the booming business that it is today. Kendra not only shares her business tips, but breaks down how she overcame personal struggles with depression, feeling stuck, and wanting to achieve more for herself and family. I'm sure many of us can relate to Kendra, and therefore you do not want to miss one single minute of it. But first, I've got to tell you about a new super helpful tool that I've created for you all to try. I've created my very own Daily Intentionals Planner. This downloadable tool will help you set daily intentions and crush your goals. I have been getting so much feedback about it. Everyone's saying it's great. They love it. It really helps them set their day. And I know personally, it helps me literally every single day. You can download it and print as many as you need to. It fits perfectly into a binder and is a perfect fit to sit on your desk or at work. If you are like me, you got a lot on your plate. And sometimes things can get lost doing stuff. You can just start doing stuff. And before you know it, you didn't do what you set out to do that day, right? So this tool is designed to be used first thing in the morning or within five minutes of starting your day to set your intentions, map out specific times that you'll do each task, and to keep track of important events, reminders, and notes. It is the perfect marriage between a journal and a calendar. 
If you would like me to send you one, send me an email to progressonpurposepodcast at gmail.com with the subject planner, and I will be happy to send you one for free. You can also go onto our Instagram page, Progress On Purpose Podcast, and the link is in the bio. So there you have it. Two ways to get your free planner. It is time for our People Popping Out segment. This is the time in the show where we highlight, celebrate, and give kudos to people in the media, mainstream or otherwise, who are living intentionally to make progress towards their goals, make strides in the community or in the lives of others, or making this world better by doing what they need to to best serve themselves or their family. This week's pop out is none other than Miss Tanika Prowl. Tanika is the founder of Mom Boss, a book collaboration led by Ariel Bibbin Biggs that highlights the unique journeys of 11 women who manage their children's businesses while tackling life's challenges. Their stories provide inspiration as they describe the process of helping their children build businesses, manage money, and develop confidence through entrepreneurship. Her mission is to help moms, kids, and women embrace their inner boss. Find out more about Tanika and the awesome work that she is doing by visiting her Facebook page and her Instagram page, Mom Boss Nika. She also has some cool merchandise on her page, so please check it out. Again, that's on Instagram at Mom Boss Nika. That's M O M B O S S. N-I-K-A. If you know someone who deserves recognition on the show, DM me on Instagram at Progress on Purpose Podcast. Don't forget to follow first. Or you can message me on Facebook at Progress on Purpose Podcast page. Or you can send me an email at Progress on Purpose Podcast at gmail.com. All right, enough with the announcements. At this time, I would like to introduce to some and present to others Miss Kendra Wright Horn. This is going to be a powerful, powerful two-part episode. Hello, Kendra. Welcome to the Progress on Purpose podcast. I am so excited that you could join us today. I have been trying to get a hold of you for a while because I have been watching you and your growth and your business. Um, And you and I are personal friends on Facebook, so I get the opportunity to see glimpses into your personal life as well. And more than anything, it brings me great pleasure to have a platform to share all of the awesomeness that you bring to the table and to our world. After today, more and more people are going to know just how dope you are, just how amazing you are. And I'm sure that you are and your story is going to inspire so many people to not just live, but live on purpose and be intentional with their passions. So thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited. Um, definitely a good time in my life to share my story with other people and to inspire them. So I, I'm thanking you for actually um, helping me in my process. You are going to be a part of my journey now. <laughs> I'm excited. 
my first official podcast. So Woo-hoo. I'm excited about this. Um, and, and the fact that I know you, um, you know, it, it makes it a little bit easier. So um, I appreciate this a lot. <laughs> you are welcome. I had the pleasure. So everyone who's listening, this is how I know Kendra. I had the pleasure of visiting her salon for almost two years. I mm-hmm. was seeing... Um, I didn't get the pleasure of seeing Kendra, but I did see another fabulous, awesome stylist, Lachelle, mm-hmm. who works at the salon. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I watched Kendra. I watched her investment into her business. I watched everything, Kendra. I don't know if you pay attention to me or you realize, <laughs> but I look at everything. I looked at how your clients came in, how they were always satisfied when they left. They didn't have to wait mm-hmm. around forever and ever. Mm-hmm. You, when you, when you were operating, Operating and I call it operating because sometimes it could be surgery. But when you were doing hair, you were like cutting with precision and you're so passionate about it. And I watched all that. I watched your work ethic. I watched your passion come to life. And I even saw bits and pieces of how you were building Short Hair Express, which is your newest mm-hmm. venture, your newest baby. So mm-hmm. I got the pleasure of mm-hmm. seeing those things. But what I would like to start out with is... Tell us a little bit about how you got started. Like, how did you get into hair? How did you discover that it was your passion and something that you wanted to pursue? Well, um, what a lot of people don't know about me is that I actually come from um, a beauty background as far as the hair industry. My grandmother had 60 years in the business. Um, I actually have a cousin who, Louise Scott, which actually she owned a historical home on Oh, God, I think that's Muhammad Ali and Court Street. It's a big mansion there in Newark. And she actually owned a beauty school there. Um, with all that being said, I didn't grow up feeling like I wanted to be a hairstylist. That didn't interest me. I always been into fashion and um, I wanted to be a buyer, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad used to buy me magazines like Vogue and Bazaar and Cosmopolitan and I would take all those pictures of all of the latest trends and styles of just all the things that I wish that I could have bought and I would paste them up on my wall and um, so for me I was more geared to the fashion world than I was into the beauty business as far as hair is concerned Um, and even growing up going into my grandmother's salon I never I wasn't that kid that played in hair. I didn't I didn't do that. Like a lot of people, when I talk to other hairstylists, they're like, oh, I always played and did this to my doll baby. I did this, I did that. Mm-hmm. I never did that. And so for me, it kind of came to the left. Um, but what I didn't know was that hair and fashion and beauty came together. Mm-hmm. And so I did have this unique talent. I want to call it a unique talent to kind of put my clothes together a certain way. I knew how to shop. I knew to shop at different places. I knew to get things at discount prices and put this whole look together. And so I was um, kind of transforming myself. And so when hair came into play, I had a girlfriend who actually had been braiding hair in high school. And I would go to her house sometimes and she would be doing clients and, you know, Back then, getting your hair braided at somebody's house was the thing to do. You mm-hmm. didn't really go to the African braiding salons, but right. we didn't have that many. Um, and so I would watch her. And, um, and, and so, again, still, it never, nothing never really clicked to me. Um, one thing about me is that 
I always like to make money. So I'm going to go back a little bit. My dad uh, worked for the city of Newark and uh, my mom was a registered nurse. But my father also ran a newspaper company on the weekends from out of New York. And um, so at the age of 12, I had a job. I would put the inserts into his newspapers. And then Saturday mornings, he would get up. So Friday night, I'm putting the inserts in. I stay up to 3 in the morning. Saturday mornings, he would take those newspapers and, and run them to New York, and they would sell them. So with that being said, I've always been somewhat of a business person. Like, I... I knew what it took to get a paycheck. And so my father would give me Saturday evening, I would get a check for $75 for just putting advertisement inside of his newspapers, you know? So started very early as far as I knew, uh, I like having my own money. Mm-hmm. And so moving back forward to my girlfriend doing hair, you know, I was always impressed with the fact that she knew how to make her own money. Um, but I still didn't know what my thing was. And it wasn't until I actually saw her do a French roll. This <laughs> <laughs> was the craziest thing. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, and I know that this is not the the lingo that we used then. But I'm going to say she killed it, you know, and I was like, oh, I want to try that. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know why. That French roll did something for me, but, um, and I always wore my hair short, which was so crazy because I'm like, I didn't even have hair to, to wear a French roll, honestly, but I wanted to do it. And so I had a, another friend who I said, you know what, I'm, I, I want to try this on you. And so I did. And to my surprise, I had, I did it perfectly, mm. you know, and, um, it really started from there where I would literally get on get on the bus and travel <laughs> to different people's houses and do these French rolls. I would have my bobby pins. I would have um, the synthetic hair, a sock, anything to kind of stuff it. I had the pins with the pearls and the gold beads and my spritz. Um glue because some people needed tracks <laughs> and all this stuff was in my backpack and I think that was my moment of okay I like this I like this whole transformation thing mm-hmm. and I still was friends with uh with, with my girlfriend who who started doing hair and she at the time had started going to beauty school and so now I'm still working. I'm, I'm actually being a hostess at a restaurant. And, and I said, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I feel like God said, go, go, go to beauty school. That's, that's, that's what you need to do. And so I did. I enrolled in beauty school. I went to Jersey City at Natural Motion. It was called Natural Motion back then. I think it's Empire now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... <laughs> This is funny. I started school, got all into it. Um, in New Jersey, they, you would get 600 hours, 1,200 hours to get your license to graduate um, and then go to state board. 600 hours, I don't know if they still do it now, but you could uh, get your permit to work in a salon. Mm-hmm. So before my 600 hours, I said to my father, I said, hey, daddy, you know, um, 
I want to do hair at home. I wanted to take clients at home. And my father allowed me to do that. And we turned my dining room into the styling room. And my living room was the waiting room. And how I started that was, you know, to, to get my practice in. Any hairstyle you wanted was only $15. Mm-hmm. And so my house was always crowded with clients. And I'm and as I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, wow, Kendra, you have always been, <laughs> you've always been like a, a boss or like a, a salon owner. I don't know. And I even had a shampoo person back then. Wow. So crazy. And how old were you? Oh my God, I was 19 years old. Wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it started, it started very much so right out of high school. Um, the French roll did it for me. I always want to give credit to my girlfriend um, that she inspired me to kind of look at hair differently, something that I've never imagined doing. I honestly thought that I was going to go to school to be a buyer or I was going to be a nurse like my mother. Mm-hmm. And what's your girlfriend's name? Other. My girlfriend's name is Vicky. Yep. Hi, Vicky. Shout out to Vicky. <laughs> and she's going to be shocked that I'm even putting her name out there like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I, I, I definitely I'm, I'm in a space where although me and her aren't uh, the best girlfriends that we were before, but I love to give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. My life has gone in so many different places. And I'm, you know, throughout this conversation that I'm going to have with you. I had to pause and say, thank you, God. And I thank God so much for just my journey. Like, um, it has been something that I could have never imagined. And um, with all of that being said, I make sure that I give credit and I make sure that I'm accountable for all the things that I've done um, right or wrong. You know, um, and and it's and it's definitely where it has landed me today. Um, I've been doing this since I was 19 years old. Eventually, I did get my 600 hours, and I worked in the salon on South Orange Avenue. My first job was at the Cutting Edge, South Orange and Halstead Street. Shout out to Mitchell Burgess. <laughs> Shout out Mitchell Burgess. Oh man, I had an awesome boss. Like he was. He was a no-nonsense person. He was no-nonsense. Um, I worked in the salon with 22 other stylists. Wow. That was my first, that was the first place that I worked. And, um, you know, when I think about booth rent and things of that sort, which was, you know, something new to me. But at this time, you know, I've been doing hair at home. And even though I'm doing $15 hairdos, I got experience. You know, my house is loaded. Matter of fact, it's so loaded that now I have to go into a salon. Mm-hmm. And um still going to school. Um, and I get up in this shop and, and I met another hairstylist. And her name was Rodina. And Rodina was, she was the short hair queen. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Rodina could do a haircut with clippers. Mm. Okay. She was the bomb. She was the bomb. And I would go over to her station every day when she worked. If we would work together and I would say, can I sit here and watch? She said, go ahead. Sit. Come on. Sit down and watch. And I would watch this lady. She was older. Like, I was 19, so she was about maybe 29. So, of course, she was a lady to me. She was grown. Mm-hmm. Um but Rodina was, and then what always got me again, because 
you know, I, I, I was enjoying the arena that I stepped into because I, 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 I figured out that I like doing hair. Um, but also like making money. Mm-hmm. And so Rodina was making like $1,500 a day back what? then. What? <laughs> and we're talking about the early 90s. Oh my God. We're talking about at least 92, 93. Oh my God. Mm. Um, and it's so crazy because today I ran across something and it, and, and it's so true. Um, once you become fearless, life becomes limitless. Say that and, one more time. Woo! Once you become fearless, life becomes limitless. And I remember telling my father, Daddy, I want to be like Rodina. Rodina making money. She driving a Benz. She got this. She got that. She got all the clients. She's doing this. And I mean, I mean, she was like my ultimate role model. And this was the first time you had ever seen a hairstylist make that kind never, of money? Never seen anybody make the money that she was making. And we're talking about it had to be 1993. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. And um, that was a lot of money to be making back then. Oh, yeah. Um, no, and today... Rodina, <laughs> and today, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And, and actually, here, that's 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 not even a lot now. But, um, yeah, that was a lot back then, you know. And so, I was blessed. I was blessed to be around that type of motivation. Yeah. Um, getting the free classes because that was a free class. Yeah. That that I I didn't realize it then, but that was I did realize it, but I didn't realize it. I didn't know that what I learned that th- those those little tidbits were going to take me to where I am today. And um, I remember the salon burnt down, mm. caught a fire. We were supposed to have a meeting. Might have been there for about maybe a year. And, um, and the salon caught fire. The meeting the, that same day, we were supposed to have a meeting that same Sunday. And our booth rent was going to go up to $250. dollars mm. Now, we talking about 1993, $250 a week for booth rent. Mm. You have people right now who can't pay $250 for booth rent. Right. And we're well into 2019. So you do the math. <laughs> <laughs> you do the math. We were making lots and lots and lots of money back then. I mean, I had my first apartment. All my furniture was brand new. It was paid for. I drove a brand new car. And now I'm about maybe 20 years old. I lived in a high rise. Um, My life had gone into full circle. When I say I've lived a hairstylist life, I lived it. And um, and the salon burned down. And, And the thing about it was... We knew the booth rent was going to go up and nobody was stressed about it. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, well, it's going to be 250 We know, whatever, you know? And so even with that experience, I thank God for that. Um, it was a turning point though, because everybody had to find somewhere to work. And so you had people just kind of scattering all over Newark. Back then it wasn't as many salons as there, there, you know, there are now. The biggest salon back then was probably a, shampoos in Irvington, mm-hmm. um, a cut above the rest downtown Newark. Mm-hmm. Ronald Brown back then owned about maybe two or three salons. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, even then, looking at that, um, 
that was that was also a learning moment for me because I I now that I think about it, I'm like I didn't today I said I don't know of too many black people who own multiple salons like a franchise mm-hmm. or a family owned, but Ronald Brown was the first person that I've known who actually owned multiple salons at one time with the same name. Mm. He was huge. He was, he was big. I, I, you know, and I'm in, in all of this stuff is bringing back my memories of where I came from. These are, these are good memories because Newark at one time was like, it was hair capital. It was hair capital. I mean, we had some amazing, amazing hairstylists in Newark. I mean, now it seems like you can't find and I don't know because I'm not there like that, but it seems like people really can't find exactly what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. But I thank God for coming up in that era because I came up in an era where people really loved what they did. Mm. We used to have hair competitions. Um, there used to be a lot of hair shows. Salons used to give their own hair shows. Um, it, 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 it really molded me. I'm going to say into the hairstylist that I am now. And even coming from Mitchell's salon, um, the salon burnt down and I'm going to kind of fast forward a little bit because I got a lot of story to tell. Lord, (laughs) I need to write a book. I'm telling you when we left this salon, my life, that, that was definitely a turning point. Um, Thank God I had a clientele by, but by then, and I was able to go somewhere else. I went into a more tougher, um, part of Newark. I was on uh, Chadwick and Clinton Avenue at Supremes and um, rest in peace to Arthur who owned that salon for years and he had some uh, I believe Malik used to work there a lot of people used to go to this guy Malik and he was amazing Um, and he opened his salon up for me and another stylist Reba (laughs) Reba and Vicky actually just opened up a salon so shout out to them Yes, congratulations Um, yeah, they just opened up a salon in East Orange. But um yeah, you know, um and and again, we ran that salon. Arthur wasn't there, so it was just me and Reba. And then Mitch opened up another cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And so we left that area and we went back to cutting edge and he opened one uh on Eighth Street in South Orange Avenue. Um and stayed there for a little bit. And then he opened up another one up in Bellsbird on Longfellow in South Orange Avenue. And he asked me to manage the salon. And by that time, I was every bit of 22 years old. Wow. (laughs) So I'm playing all this stuff back and I'm like, thank you, God. I have really been blessed. I'm even thinking about how he saw a manager yeah. in you at the age of 22. I'm looking 22. at, I'm a teacher. So I look at some kids now <laughs> and I'm like, Hmm, could I hire mm-hmm. them to do something for mm-hmm. me at 22? Mm-hmm. Cause the way they act when they're 15, I don't think so. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you just had so much wisdom, so much maturity yeah. and you know, yeah. all of that, that all of the experience that you have going into it that mm-hmm. prepared you for the manager role. So That's many awesome. different things, yeah. so many different things. And so, again, um, working in a salon with a lot of stylists, a lot of the stylists, um, that place filled up pretty fast. And then as as things change with salons, um, especially back then and even now, people bounce around. 
that's mm-hmm. that's the that's the life of a stylist. Um, either you have your own, or you really love where you're at, or you get tired of being where you're at. You you know, salons are, are a thing of where it has to be family. Um, has to have a family feel. Can't just be you come into work because you spend so many hours in a salon. So w- when I did eventually open up Jalamati's, moving all the way forward. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was comfortable. And as long as I was comfortable, I can make everybody else comfortable. And so um, we end up leaving. I end up leaving Mitch's salon again. This time it didn't burn down. But now we organized. And when I say organized, when I left, I left with seven other stylists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we went to a new spot on Springfield Avenue, which I think... After we left there, it turned out to be Showtime. So I don't know. Are you from Newark? Are you? From I'm from Newark? East Orange. Okay. So I don't know if you remember any of these names, but um, we were the salon on Springfield Avenue before it became Showtime. I think I was speaking with someone last year, and they were telling me because I was showing them like a haircut that I wanted, and they were telling me um, about a salon on South or on uh, Springfield Avenue that was mm-hmm. either still there or used to be there. So it mm-hmm. could be, you know, the same, same place. Mm-hmm. Could be the same place. Because like and you so, said, you, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're mm-hmm. right. It's hard now to find mm-hmm. people doing the things that they used to do. I remember when I was young in high school, I went to high school in Newark. So I remember coming up and hearing about hair shows at salons and competitions. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm an adult, I don't see that anymore. You don't, you don't see it now. And I'm going to tell you, um, we left that shop. We went to Springfield Avenue. And because we all pretty much, the, the stylists that we moved, that came to Springfield Avenue, most of us had been around each other for years. Mm-hmm. We either started out at Cutting Edge or we met at Cutting Edge. And so we kind of stuck together. And when even when we got there, we decided that we were going to have uniforms. I don't know why we decided that we were going to wear all white, but we would, you know, oh, okay. was, we did all white. <laughs> we had a meeting at my house and, nice. you know, we organizing this, we're going to work as a team. And so we did that. And, and mind you, um, at, at this time now, I'm actually pregnant. Mm-hmm. I have not finished beauty school because I've made so much money that, you know, hey, I'm just going to keep renewing my permit and I'm just going to keep on working. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we, we, I can't leave that part out not leave that part out and so moving forward we're in the salon and the very first day that we opened the shop up which was on a monday we were able to pull a hundred clients in one day wow unheard of Mm. unheard of and the only reason why i know it was a hundred is because we had a sign-in sheet and everybody came through and they got their hair done wow. at this new spot. Mm. Yeah. So. So wait, did you guys like run a special? Did you decide to have like what helped you bring those clients in? What what helped us bring the clients in is that we always moved as a team. Mm. We always worked as a team. And because most of us have been doing hair for a couple of years now and you know, we, we pretty much were young. We made a name for ourselves. People knew who we were, you know, and um, something about young stylists, um, everybody wants to go, even today, mm-hmm. everybody wants to go to the young hip stylists. Right. They want to go to whoever's trending, 
trendy, whatever. That's where people want to go, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially younger people, too. And um, so, yeah, so the first day, 100 people. Now I'm going to move. I'm going to move really fast forward. After I had my son, things started to change for me. I started looking at things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got up and I moved with my children's father to Atlanta back in 97. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I came down here and I stayed for about maybe three months. And in my time down here, I got a chance to meet the brat. I started doing the brat's mother's hair. I did the girl Keisha from Total. Um, Atlanta was like a breath of fresh air. It was like, oh my God, like, wow, these people, this this is really happening. The salon that I worked at here, name was Carol Moreau. The name of the salon was called Escape. Mm-hmm. And um Carol had 32 people working for her. She, she owned the building. It was upstairs, downstairs, and it was a, a, a space called the eyebrow shop. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I'm always paying attention. I'm always looking at the business aspect. I'm always looking at where I can improve myself, how I can make the money, or just kind of always take myself to the next level. So I was very impressed with Carol. Carol had bought the Olympic bleachers she had the olympics seats when they had the olympics in atlanta she she went to the auction and had those bleach those those seats in her salon and i was like damn (laughs) (laughs) i was like this lady is serious yes carol was also a paul mitchell instructor Mm. so and i and i promise you i'm Oh, this is so crazy because it's everything is just God had been preparing me for so long. I, I'm I'm really realizing this. Um, Carol put me right next to her. Mm. I worked right next to her, and I don't know why she did that, but I thank God for that. I learned a lot from Carol in that short time that I was there. So I only stayed here for three months, and my son was too young. I didn't have a support system that I needed. And I went back to New Jersey. But before I left New Jersey, um, I, I had a pack with two other stylists, my, my girlfriend Vicky at the time and another hairstylist that we worked with who was a friend of ours too, was Sean. We decided that we were going to put money together and open up a salon. And I said, before I left, if things don't work out for me in Atlanta, I want to have somewhere to come to. And so I left my money with Vicky. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to come back and work. And so we did. I came back and she had already opened up a salon and I was able to jump right in. Again, I did realize how much I was changing. I was changing a whole lot. Stayed at that salon with her for about maybe almost two years. Maybe, maybe. Um, we decided to leave. That was on 16th Avenue and Grove Street. It was too rough. Things had changed. Things were very different. Beauty industry was starting to change. You had salons popping up everywhere. Everybody did air just was different you Mm -hmm. know um we lost our team so there was not a lot of togetherness and you know to me you always get a whole lot more done when there's a there's a group of you as opposed to one um two people can get it done but you still need a solid team yeah um 
So anyway, moving forward, Vicky decided to open up a place in Bloomfield. And what I decided to do was to go to school. I didn't want to open up another salon. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to move forward with that. I decided that I needed to go to school and not even beauty school. Because keep in mind, I hadn't gone back to beauty school yet. This is still lingering over me. I'm just working. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I decided to go to Gibbs College in Montclair for business marketing. Nice. And so I asked my father, um, my son was about maybe two years old when I did this and I lived with my father and I said, dad, you know, can I turn the basement, which was connected to our garage into a salon while I go to school full time. This way I don't have to open and close the shop with my son standing there. You know, I had to use my son to make it, you know, to make, make it, it sound, sound good. So real. Yeah. Like, Daddy, listen, I need to do this. I need to do this. And the mere fact that I was going to college for my father was huge because mm-hmm. even when I decided to go to beauty school, him and uh, my mom, they weren't very happy. But I had an aunt who really knew that that was my calling. And so she kind of helped me talk them into allowing me to go to cosmetology school. So when I said I was going to go to college, he was like, immediately, absolutely. So I was able to build a wall in the garage connected to my basement. I extended it. I had a full salon, about maybe five dryers, um, a sink (laughs) and a station in my basement and it worked for me for two years and I got my associates in marketing. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that was a blessing. I was able to take care of my son work and go to school. And I did that in the middle of that, I got pregnant with my daughter. So here we go. I got another child. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so with all that being said, now I have to get back into the shop because what I realized in the two years that I had been away from the salon, I actually had lost um, connection. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, not really knowing exactly what's trending. Right. I was doing what I knew how to do and people would come and ask me for things. And I'm like, what is that? And I'm like calling people like, how do you do it? Such and such and such, you know? And I said, no, 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 no. This ain't me. I need to get back in the shop. I need to get back in the game. I need to get in this thing. Um, so I went back to the salon. Really quick, because I'm not going to go too deep into this, but um, when I came back to New Jersey in 1998, I got assaulted by a state trooper. Mm. And again, like I said, my life was changing so much. I just started seeing things a little bit different, probably just maturing and just trying to figure my way out or whatever, what I was going to do. Um, and when that happened, I definitely went through a lot of changes with that. I'd suffered a broken jaw. Um, my mouth was wired for eight weeks. And, um, so all these things are happening before I even started the college thing. Um, had my daughter, went back into the salon, a year later, I got a lawsuit. I got up and I said, you know what? It's time to go. Mm-hmm. I moved to Maryland. My mom lives in Maryland. And um, so I said, I'm going to go to Maryland. Went to Maryland. Get to Maryland. Someone introduces me to uh, two young ladies who own a salon. And when I got down to Maryland, I'm like, okay, what are you going to do? You still have not completed cosmetology school. 
you're not in New Jersey now. You cannot work in someone's salon and not have your paperwork together. You cannot do apprenticeship because that means someone owns you for a very long time. And that means that you have to commit to finishing that apprenticeship or you get no license. So what I do, I decided to enroll back in school. I find a beauty school there and I go in and I'm hoping that I can transfer my hours. This is 10 years later. Oh, wow. Okay. And I get there. So they said, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make you take a test. And if you pass this test, you'll be able to keep your hours. If you don't, you're going to have to start over. Well, you know what happened. I passed the test. Yes, I know you did. (laughs) (laughs) And I had 741 hours. And the difference with Maryland and New Jersey is that New Jersey required 1,200, Maryland required 1,600. Mm. So there was the difference. Um, went to the salon. I thought I was going to be able to go to school and then come to the salon afterwards to build up a clientele. Da, da, da. And, you know, nope, that wasn't, that was not true. So I had to say to them, hey, you know what? I'm not going to work. I'm going to come back once I finish school. I finished school, went back to the salon. I said, you know what? I'm from Jersey. I'm going to show them what I got. I'm about to turn Baltimore out. I had all these things. I was amp girl. You can't tell me nothing. I'm from Jersey. Right. You know, these people from the South, they don't know how to do it. Exactly. (laughs) You know, because I come from an era where we did hair shows. You know, we were winning shows. We were the best. Mm -hmm. Came from a great team. I came from a great background. You know, people love the way I did hair. They love the way I cut. They love this. They love that. Well, let me tell you something. I got up in that shop. Hmm. And I felt like I had never done hair before a day in my life. Those girls were bad. Mm. They were, when I tell you, I sat there and I said, okay, all right, God, what is this? So Marilyn was like an eye opener for you again. Oh, baby. It was, it was definitely the eye opener for me. Mm. I sat in that shop. I remember calling home crying and everybody's like, well, nobody told you to move there. Go, 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 go. You know, they had all this stuff for right. me. And I was like, oh my God, you know, here I had all this money in the bank, but all I wanted to do was do hair. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted to do. Cause that's your passion. That was my passion. I had to humble myself. I had to sit and I had to relearn and I sat and I learned and I built up a clientele. But most importantly, I feel like I learned. I never worked in a salon where the stylists were fully booked every single day. Never worked in a salon where they worked off a computer. That was new to me. Um, and when, when, when we talk about money, Rodina's money was nowhere near the money that these girls were making. Wow. So... Again, (laughs) of course, my wheels are rolling and I'm like, wow. Okay, Kendra. My dad got sick. I ended up staying at that salon for four years. My dad got sick. I decided that I was going to come back to New Jersey. And at this time now, I cannot go and work at anybody's salon. I have to get my own salon. Mm -hmm. And so came back and forth. I would go to New Jersey every weekend. I would drive up because it was only two and a half hours from Baltimore. I would drive up. And um, I found the location, Stuyvesant Avenue, 1095 mm-hmm. Stuyvesant. And I would ride through there at night. 
ride through there during the day. And I only got the weekend. Ride at night, ride during the day. Ride at night, ride during the day. And I finally got up the nerve to call this for rent sign. And I called, talked to them. Uh, ended up having to go to the courthouse because they were saying, oh, we don't know if we wanted to be a salon still. You know, it was just guys saying, let me see how bad you want this. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, I moved back home. I did get the salon. Um, true story. I had an accident one weekend in my car. My father let me take his car back to Maryland before I moved. Uh, went to my dad's house, got the key, told my father, hey, I got to go, dad, because they're giving me the key to the shop today. And I want to meet the guy. I don't want to miss him. Got the key to the shop. That was on a Monday. That Thursday, my father died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was another crazy time for me because I had already signed my lease. I had uh, given the notice into the apartment complex in Maryland that I was moving. And so God had put me in a position where I had to move forward. Wow. I was supposed to go live with my father. I didn't live with my father. I ended up having to live with my sister. Um, so I, I've had some rough moments. And needless to say, here's the thing that I left out. I did finish cosmetology school. I did pass the test. I got my license. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Yes. I got my license in Maryland. So I did accomplish that. I got the salon in Jersey. Didn't come back with a whole lot of money because by that time, I, you know, I don't know anything about money management. I'm, you know, I'm a hairstylist. I get money every day, <laughs> spend it, do whatever I want to do with it. That's something that no one ever taught me how to manage my money. Um, so it was rough. It was very, very rough. My first shop, moving back home, everything that I had was used. Everything. I was finding chairs on the street in New Jersey, something people don't even know. You cannot find a salon chair on the street nowadays anywhere because you got Facebook Marketplace. You got Craigslist. People ain't putting that stuff out there like that. But that was that hustle in you. Like, listen, this is what I need to get. And so I'm going to do it by any means necessary. Oh, my God, girl, you don't even understand. Somebody had put some desk out in my mother's area in Maryland. Do you know that I had picked those up, put them in storage and traveled with them back to New Jersey? I turned those into stations. I put legs on them. I spray painted them, did stencils. I put uh, kitchen wood tops on it, uh, like a cutting wood on top of it. And I turned it into stations. Can I just Uh, interrupt you real quick? Because I got to say this, there is a trend um, that is going in between many of the uh, past episodes and even this one. And it is that hustle. Like when you Mm. have a desire for something, nobody Mm. can tell you or nobody can stop you from, Mm -hmm. from reaching that goal. If you are serious about it, because a lot of people got ideas and those ideas lay dormant or they stay where they Mm -hmm. are because they Mm -hmm. don't have the hustle behind it. And, and then there's also, there's also like a piece of, um, not being what's the right word not being embarrassed to do what you gotta do like whatever it takes Mm -hmm. whatever it takes if you gotta get stuff off the street if you have to ask for help if you gotta sit and just study someone else's behavior someone's Mm -hmm. patterns how they spend their money Mm -hmm. how they book their clientele like just Mm -hmm. being humble enough to just watch and listen and learn and do whatever it takes to I don't like saying fake it till you make it, but it, it it's more like a 
do what you have to do until you can get exactly what you want. But there should be no no breaks. Like you weren't like, okay, one day I'm going to have the money to mm-hmm. get this chair and to get this Mm-mm. desk. You were like, listen, Mm-mm. I'm going to go driving. I know when I used to live in East Orange on Thursday nights was um, bulk night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people yes, would drive girl. around on bulk night and get all the stuff that they wanted to get. I got a couple of pieces in my house right now from bulk girl, night. Girl, you better say it. Okay. You better say it. You better say it, honey. You better say it. And that was so real for me. It was such a real girl. I'm sitting here and I'm like all teared up because it was, you know, when I play all this back, I'm like, wow, this is my life. This is, I was so determined. Yes. You know, I'm like, what is this? I'm sitting here even listening to myself like, girl, you were so determined. What was you trying to do? But listen, what, what it was it? it was put inside of you because I've been sitting here taking notes. I always take notes. And I'm looking at how your grandmother, she started you off by just being an example. Yep. And then your father put you in his business. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. God placed you in the midst of friends who you mm. could learn from. Mm. And then from from you saying okay this is my passion let me pursue it he put you in salon after salon and each mm. salon taught you something different mm-hmm. from mr burgess you learned business uh, and and like savviness from rodina mm. you learned how to make that money mm-hmm. when you went to maryland you saw structure order mm. and how to make even more money and and obviously because you're in business money is your goal but you didn't lose sight of your values you kept Mm -hmm. the fact that you wanted people when they enter into your salon or even when they enter into your space you want to make them comfortable and if Mm -hmm. and the people that work with you you want them to feel like it's a family you want them to feel like it's comfortable so that was important to you you also Mm -hmm. looked at um giving even in this conversation like you've been giving so much credit to people and i know everyone is not from new jersey but just hear don't hear the names hear the hear the message behind giving credit to people because mm-hmm. you never want to lose sight of who helped you who showed you who mm-hmm. was an example for you along the way mm-hmm. and then you also talked about like how your friends listen you right now Kendra could go and do a conversation on just accountability alone and mm-hmm. how it, how important it is to work together especially mm-hmm. with other women and I, mm-hmm. I don't know how it was coming up for you it seems to be different but in my age my my uh because I'm 33 Mm-hmm. And not to say, I know you're not that much older than me, but mm-hmm. I know when I was coming up, it was like, oh, we don't mess with girls, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and, mm-hmm. and so to hear that mm-hmm. women back in the nineties were getting together and sure. just, I mean, y'all were taking, you guys were mm-hmm. taking North by storm mm-hmm. and it sounds like Maryland too. Like that's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's just, Ooh, you know, I'm, I have to just say I'm thankful for coming up in that era because it did, it, it did a lot to me and for me, Yeah. um, for me to even be able to tell this story and still be standing and to not have walked away from this industry yet to still really be in it. And, you know, um, to have that salon and to go through all that I've gone through trying to just get that one location open, um, for being there for three years, busting my behind, you know, used furniture, things breaking down, getting things reupholstered, um, but still giving customer service, giving quality, 
uh, quality service yes. and customer service, mm-hmm. a comfortable space, um, the you know, the best salon atmosphere that I can give. Um, Listen, you had example. water, you had food. You were all right <laughs> with me. <laughs> and then what people don't know is that, I don't know if you knew this, but that location that's on, that's on to the left, which is the barbershop, mm-hmm. that was my first shop. I think I did know that, but that's amazing yeah. too. That was my first shop. And I did, what was next to us was a daycare. And I said, Lord, 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 please do not, you know, put anybody out of business. But I sure would love to have that space. Next Listen, to he us. made the way, didn't he? <laughs> oh, my God. And let me tell you what happened. The daycare moved down the street to a bigger location. Nice. And I asked, could I have that space? And I kept the barbershop also because I didn't know who was going to come there. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? Well, if I got a barbershop and I got a hair salon. And wow. I did that for 12 years. Wow. 12 years. You and, did that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did that for 12 years. And I'm telling you, that was that was another turning point because who would have thought I went from this little small spot with all this used furniture, but I'm going to tell you something about your used furniture too. When I moved into the new location, everything in there still was used. Now I know Craigslist. Uh-huh. I know how to shop. I know how to put things together. I've learned to not go and take out all these astronomical loans to get new furniture for what? For what? As long as it looks good, it's operable work on it that's it if if someone comes into your salon and you've been open for 10 years they're not going to say oh your furniture is not new they're going to come in there and they're going to work right you know as long as I kept it clean um it you know I learned so many different things from working with so many different people in different environments and really knowing what was important the main thing was always customer service Mm -hmm. um Making people feel welcomed was important. If you're going to keep people in the salon, have some things to keep them entertained. Have a TV, maybe. Um, it, so many different things that I learned and I learned. And um, having that place for 12 years, I learned a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about people. I've grown. I grew spiritually. I also grew into depression. That's what people didn't know. Mm. Um, my last two years of being in New Jersey I at this point now I'm I I did marry my children's father and then we got divorced and then I remarried and so I'm still married I've been married now 11 years Uh, met my husband when I moved back to New Jersey and opened up my shop but um I was depressed I was depressed I was I, I I can look at it now and I can say it now I was depressed I know, I know it was just getting good. That just means that you're going to have to come back next week on Thursday at Progress on Purpose Podcast. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or a special link I'll put on the Instagram page that will take you directly to the second episode. All right, please, please, please come on back for part two because it is phenomenal. Kendra breaks down 
different personal struggles that she had to overcome and gives us true true gems on how to continue to be a successful person in this business and in any business all right so i want to see you here next week until then i love you and continue to make progress on purpose